When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been another busy news week, and we like to review the major stories of the week here on the Black Information Network. Today, we are joined by Black Information Network news anchors Morgan Wood and Bree Wood to discuss this week's major stories. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. All right, Morgan and Bree, welcome back to the show. How have you guys been? Hey, Ramses, I'm doing well. Thank you. All right. Yes, yes, doing good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great, and uh, we have a lot to talk about an interesting week, of course, so let's not oh, yes. keep folks waiting. <laughs> Grab your uh, first big story, the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, turned himself into an Atlanta jail was booked and he had his mug shot released. I know the internet is going crazy. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. So let's start with you, Bree. Uh, give us a bit more and then Morgan will follow up with you. Yeah, what an ordeal that was. Um, first of all, like you said, he was booked at a jail in Atlanta on charges that he illegally schemed to overturn the 2020 election in Georgia, right? So the mug shot of Trump, um, they basically said he looked like he's scowling. That was the commentary across social media after sure. it was released. Um, but he was wearing a Navy suit and a red tie. And, you know, the mugshot instantly became part of his legacy um, as he is facing these criminal charges in four American cities uh, while seeking to reclaim the White House. None of this disqualifies him from running for president, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. Also, Trump was released on $200,000 bond and he's headed he headed back to the airport for his return flight home to New Jersey. And uh, he told reporters that he did nothing wrong, of course, and that he should be able to challenge an election. Um, also, Trump's campaign used the mugshot to solicit contributions on a fundraising site that he made a post on X, um, the website that is formerly known as Twitter, for the first time since January 8th, 2021. And so his visit to Atlanta is being compared to uh, his previous surrenders in other cities, saying that it was different because it took place at night and it required him to visit a problem plagued jail, which was the other thing that many of our uh, black Atlanta friends were, were talking about. He was at Rice Street. Yeah, Rice Street Jail. I guess that's like really in the, in the hood there. Um, okay. But they were saying that uh, it was there rather than a courthouse. And um, it also is like 
um, unlike other cities, you know, his booking info was taken and he had a mugshot, which he's never had before. So that's what most people were kind of shocked about, that he actually had to take a mugshot. Sure, sure. So they think they're going to use that now for merchandise, of course, and he's going (laughs) to turn it into a positive. Make that some money for his campaign. I mean, a textbook, textbook. Morgan, let's get your thoughts. Absolutely. Um, Just to piggyback on a few of Bree's points, I think they're already in the process of using that mugshot for merchandise. I've seen it on T-shirts and mugs or um, just all kinds of different merch, uh, apparently for around the fee of $47 with the words never surrender um, underneath. Yeah, so okay. <laughs> I'm not I really think he sure. surrendered, right? Right. Well, yeah. So that was that was in fact what happened. Um, yes, and uh to your point, Bree, Rice Street is apparently notorious for, you know, like you said, being a problem, uh, correctional facility. And um, I just love the fact that Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, will make anything into a party. There was an event flyer circulating uh, that said, welcome to Rice Street, where they photoshopped Trump wearing an orange jumpsuit. So, yeah, it's um, it's free hookah for women and two hundred dollar bottles, by the way, Rims <laughs> at the party. That, that really happened. That was it was a really oh, party. Was it was real? really a party. This is yes. a real thing. Atlanta <laughs> takes nothing serious. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm kind of here for it. Okay. Um, but um, on 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 the facts, uh, he is. He, like you said, it did add to his legacy, Brie. Uh, he is the first and only president to have a mugshot taken. Yeah. And um, it is the fourth criminal case that has been brought against him um, this year. So sure, we will sure. see what's happening. A lot of his followers are, you know, trying to figure out whether or not he's going to be able to be tried before um, the election or if this is something that's going to happen act- after. But I will say, as a young thug fan, I'm a little bit disappointed that, you know, he was able to just get in and get out while Thugger is still sitting there waiting on a jury. Yeah. But I'm not going to get too much into that. <laughs> free YSL, free Thug. I'm with you. <laughs> I get it. Um, you know, there's there's uh, a little bit more to this that um, feels it, it feels a little different from his other um, issues, his other uh, court issues that he's dealing with around the country. Mm-hmm. Obviously, being fingerprinted and actually having a mugshot released is unprecedented. But on Lawson. top of that, you know, and and, I, and we talked about kind of his, his playbook, how he likes to try to intimidate people and try to, uh, you know, um, find out any sort of dirt, whether it's real or imaginary, and peddle that dirt to the masses to discredit the people that are prosecuting him, that sort of thing. That's, that's what he does. But um, his former national security advisor, a guy named John Bolton um, made a couple of points that I thought were interesting. First off, he said that, you know, he looked like a thug in his mugshot, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad he said that because I, I, I push back against the the narrative that thugs look like let's say young thug for ex- for instance you know mm-hmm. it's, it's so funny because that's kind of right on the nose but um that a thug doesn't necessarily need to be someone with a with a beanie or a, you know ski mask or some sort of hoodlum looking sort of person you know um a thug can look like anybody who behaves like a thug and so you know i i i i kind of appreciate him saying that the former president looked like a thug in his mugshot but then he went on to say that he probably made that face effectually what he communicated was that he probably made that face to try to intimidate the judge and the prosecutors. So there's, there's a side of social media that's looking at this photograph 
that's saying, okay, he's angry and he's ready to fight. And then, you know, to, um, you know, I follow a, a Hollywood writer uh, named Yamara Taylor. She writes for like the Boondocks and um, uh, uh, Blackish, um, Saved by the Bell, a bunch of TV shows in, in Hollywood. And she also happens to be my older sister. Um, but she said, ooh, he mad, mad. And that's, you know, kind of the consensus of the other side of social media, which is like, oh, yeah, he's really angry about it. So, um, again, unprecedented and just a wild story. Uh, and, you know, we'll obviously follow this uh, this story as it continues to unfold. Moving on. You know what? Oh, oh OK, ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to bring up one other point that the Please. director of the Black Voices for Trump is still in jail. He is the only one that did not have a bond. I'm talking about Harrison Floyd. And he was <laughs> the first MAGA ally to be booked behind bars in this whole fraud case. And so he is the former director of Black Voices for Trump. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was interesting that he's the only one that does not have a bond. And we so talked about 19, right? 19 yes. or so co-defendants and the one the first black of man. 19, one black man. And he is still sitting up in there. Mm. So interesting. Well, um, you know, he's got some bed bugs to keep him company. Moving on. <laughs> um, the 2024 Republican Party presidential debates took place this week, minus Donald Trump, as we now know. So for those of us that missed it, uh, let's let's discuss some of the highlights. Morgan, we'll start with you this time. Oh, my gosh. I'm overwhelmed. Um, yeah, so they talked about a lot, climate change, um, abortion, bans, and education. I mean, you know, the list goes on, Ukraine and 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 so much more. Um, of course, you know, crime. But it it, it what was uh fascinating to me is how they seemingly went in on uh Vivek, Vivek uh Remis, Remiswamy. I'm gonna just yeah, say Remiswamy. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, okay. They went in on him, um, and you know, and his lack of experience, and just he became, uh, I guess, a target in the in in the midst of all of what was going on. So, um, uh, just to um, let me see, narrow it down. There was a uh, Senator Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, uh, Remiswamy, uh, uh, former Vice President um, Mike Pence. Uh, we had um, help me out the the da da da. da uh, Chris oh, Governor Christie. Ron DeSantis, yes, Governor Ron DeSantis yep. and Chris Christie. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was an interesting debate to say the least. Um, Donald Trump came his uh you know topic of him and his indictments came up. Um, it came up, and um, it, <laughs> the interesting fact that has me choked up right now is that a lot of the people standing on that stage would basically indicated that they would support him, or you know, basically they they don't have a problem with him being. The nominee, the front runner, even though he wasn't there. So yeah. I'm just like, he's dealing with all of this and not to get back on Trump. But um, that was the thing that just kind of hung me up. Yeah. Uh, they had a lot to say, but I'm yeah. just. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's very, very strange to see where Republican leadership is these days. Um, Bree, let's get your thoughts. You know, Vivek Ramaswamy, he is 38 years old. He's an entrepreneur. Um, and he's got a lot of opinions on what he would do and what should be going on. And they're basically just calling him. He's a, a kid on the playground right now. They're not even mm -hmm. taking him seriously. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he he made some points, but it was funny. One person remarked that he sounded like I think it was Governor Chris Christie that said, uh, sound like I'm listening to chat GPT here when yeah. you're talking. Um, but of course, like Morgan pointed out, they focused on the economy, abortion, crime, Climate change and uh, Trump's role in the party, uh, even as he is under all of this scrutiny right now. 
And uh, the debate also highlighted the potential risk for Trump uh, for him not showing up and all the candidates defending Mike Pence's decision to certify the election uh, results of January 6th. They were praising him um, as vice president. It doesn't seem like uh, Vice President Pence, former Vice President Pence, has much steam behind his campaign right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And Tim Scott, this was really supposed to be his breakout moment. He is the only black candidate that qualified to be on that stage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he made points, but... Um, you know, he focused a lot on how he was raised and growing up poor and how he was raised by a single mother, which is, which is an extremely important point. But it seems that he leans on that in everything he discusses and doesn't focus so much on the broader issues that black people are dealing with that we were kind of hoping he would dive into. Yeah. So it seems like he's more leaning on his upbringing and being the nice guy who's going to be stern, but still nice. Um, and remember, I was raised by a single mom, so I understand the struggle. But it's like we just kind of wanted more for him. This was supposed to energize his campaign. And I think it fell a little bit flat for me. Um, But, you know, we'll see how far he goes. But we've got Dr. Cornell West that still has his hat in the ring. Of course, he didn't qualify. Then you have the black Republican Larry Elder, who is a radio uh, veteran and also a bestselling author. So, I mean, he's got his hat in the ring. And he did a recent appearance on The Breakfast Club that caught a little buzz where he was just coming straight at it, you know, giving facts about certain things and. He said, but nobody wants to hear that, though. So Tim yeah. Scott was the representative and he was kind of eh, well, disappointing. It, it, so some of the facts, you know, I, I saw that Breakfast Club interview. Some of the facts mm-hmm. um, are really just a well-chronicled narrative. They're not necessarily facts, especially mm-hmm. the one that black men are not uh, good fathers. This is something that is now well-documented for the better part of a decade that um, according to the Center for Disease Control and really every major reputable institution that mm-hmm. reports on uh, data uh, that is procured by the United States government. It actually shows that black men are the best fathers of all. Um, and are. the issues that do affect black uh, fatherlessness are largely uh, the result of systemic racism, over-policing, mass incarceration, and uh, things like that. Not because there's something in our nature. And, but the fact is, is that black men um are no more or less likely to uh, leave their children than any other race of people. We just have the narrative that's been chronicled and well-documented since I want to say maybe the fifties, sixties, somewhere in there um, that uh, when people were trying to determine what the, the, the causes for black wealth inequality were and what they looked at was really the legacy of the um, depression era where black couples remained unmarried so that black mothers could qualify for more assistance for the family. And that legacy has continued more or less in black communities, but it doesn't necessarily mean that black children grow up without their fathers. In fact, based on the data, black men are the best fathers of all that's including Latino, white, uh, and others. And so that is a well chronicled narrative, but not necessarily fact. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned that as far as the rest of the people on the stage, on the actual stage, um, it's important to point out that Ramaswamy, He he out and out called climate change a hoax. Um, right. his, his direct quote is, I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for. So I can say this. The climate change agenda is a hoax. And I made um, an episode of one more thing uh, about this because I live in a part of the country where uh, we're able to see the effects of climate change in less than one lifetime. 
Um, uh-huh. and, and the climate change that the right uh, suggests is cyclical. Um, even if that were the case and that was the time that we were living in right now, it wouldn't happen as quickly as it's happening. And so the other thing that we can point to is human interference, but a person like that that doesn't live in an environment where you can actually see the effects of it, mm-hmm. um, they they can't trust their own apertures into their reality. They're looking at data that supports a, pos- a position that allows them to ascend the ranks of you know power in politics, or um, they look at data that supports a position that they really sincerely want to believe. And I think that he's a sincere person in his beliefs. They're just very, very wrong, excuse me, and, and very dangerous. Um, as you mentioned, six of the eight people on the stage said that they would still support Donald Trump if he was uh, convicted and also the Republican nominee, which in my opinion, makes me question and makes me very concerned if I'm honest for Republican leadership, because there's a lot of people who are the values that they espouse are Republican values Mm -hmm. uh, full stop. You know, that doesn't make them bad people. They just feel that there should be a different approach, maybe a more hard nosed approach to certain things. They're more about themselves. Every each man for himself. Um, Some people are eat or be eaten. And some people are live and let live. And that's not the worst thing in the world. But the leadership of that party has allowed and cultivated, indeed, a culture of let's follow a man, not let's follow these values that the party stands for. And I think that that's reflected in six of the eight people that are also running for the office of president of the United States, raising their hand, saying they would continue to support Donald Trump. Um, you mentioned uh, Tim Scott, the the only black candidate on the stage. Um, he was kind of more of the same, saying that the Department of Justice was we- weaponized against Trump. And and mo- most of these people don't really deal with the reality of the situation. They don't go through line by line. Okay, here's what Trump is convicted of. Okay, we heard the phone call. The phone call is, was the beginning and end of everything for me. I heard him say it. We all heard him say it. And there, even that plausible deniability that Trump often hides behind when he says, find me, Uh I forget the number, but find me this many votes. Uh To me, that is out and out election interference. That was his voice. And we heard it when he did it, you know? And so um, for Tim Scott to say, well, the Department of Justice was weaponized against Donald Trump. And he's a man that I would 100% believe that if the opposite were true, if this were true about Obama, you know, he would say, well, absolutely, we need to get him. We heard him say it on the phone call. You know what I mean? It, to me, feels like the the line that they're writing isn't based on their values. It's based on like a cult-like mentality. And so Tim Scott, then and there, immediately ceases to be a viable candidate um, for the office of president of the United States of America. And then uh, finally, Mike Pence was a big blah. Most of them were. Um, but, you know, the only person that I forget her name, but the only person that really seemed like she had a degree of competency on the stage was um, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley. Yes. And I, I, again, I 1000% disagree with her politics. But if she was functioning in a leadership capacity, at least I could see it. At and least. many people felt that way. I was reading um, reactions to the debate and a lot of people Felt that she came away a lot stronger than they were expecting her to be. Okay, good. And she made a, no, no, she made a way bigger impression than anybody was expecting. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com BIN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Black Information Network news anchors Morgan Wood and Bree Wood are here with us discussing this week's major stories. Okay, a new study came out suggesting that Black children are 11 times more likely to die from guns than white children. Um... This is something that we unfortunately have to talk about. So, Bree, you have the unenviable task of starting us off. Yeah, these are devastating numbers. And it's a study from the American Academy of Pediatrics. So researchers from this study examined data on U.S. pediatric firearm deaths and disparities from the years 2018 to 2021. Mm -hmm. And they found that firearms 
are now the leading cause of death among children and adolescents, surpassing car accidents. Yeah. So according to the study, 41.6%, that is the increase in the total firearm death rate from 2018 to 2021. And Black children were the ones that were disproportionately impacted by that rise. And among the children who died by firearms in 2021, 49.9% were Black. And we and the black kids make up over 67 percent of firearm homicides and white children accounted for 78.4 percent of firearm suicides. Mm. So I thought those numbers were extremely interesting as well. Um, Firearm purchases have skyrocketed, especially during the pandemic, um, which may account for the increase in the gun violence, according to them. Um, But about 30 million children in the U.S. are living in households that have guns right now, Mm. and um, especially in states that are. Like southern states, the gun toting states, they're not looking to change their policies on gun ownership or how you get it, how you obtain a gun. It's really kind of easy to get a gun right now, still, yeah, yeah. even with uh, people petitioning for change. And we've seen the shootings that have happened. I think it's something over 400 now for the year in America. And yeah. we're in August and Three. it's ridiculous. Um, uh, or sorry, Morgan, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts as well. Yeah, so I can speak from a local standpoint, at least here in D.C., uh, the DMV area, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, there has definitely been a surge in uh, violence, gun violence and um, violence amongst kids. We're talking children, teenagers. Um, Our state's attorney in Prince George's County, Aisha Brave Boy, recently um, expressed a statement and where she actually talked about um, drill music and how that's relative to violence. I mean, we've heard this conversation before. She said, We are very concerned about this particular form of rap music that not only celebrates violence, but it also directs violence. Um, And she went on to say that she further emphasized the gravity of the situation, um, stating that whether you're talking about things you have done, violent acts or um, things that have happened or things you intend to do, that causes other people to react to react, excuse me, and it causes homicide shootings or other acts of violence that can actually occur. Um, She was referencing a recent incident that happened here um, that actually went nationwide. A 14-year-old rapper by the name of Baby K, who is currently locked up, he is, um, he's locked up for attempting to murder a student on a school bus. He walked on a school bus with two other guys and a gun. And luckily in that situation, that gun jammed. So that student, I mean, he and they did end up pistol whipping that kid and he, you know, survived. And that was the, uh, you know, the positive out of the situation. But just days later, he was accused of shooting and killing his own so-called accomplice's sister. So it's just terrible. And here in D.C., um, more than 450 people have died so far this year from gun violence. 12 of them have been children, and that's in D.C., and that's not counting the numbers in Maryland or Virginia. That's not counting the numbers nationwide. That's not counting uh, children who have just simply been hit or grazed. It's it's too much. It really is. And yeah. so I don't know if it's just the music or if it's, you know, just the 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 laws and the gun reform that needs to happen. But, you know, definitely something needs to happen. Sure. It is a. Uh, And I'm seeing it in areas that, you know, we're not used to seeing it. Absolutely. It's it's tragic. So I am. I think it's I think it's more telling than anything to um, read that the firearms are the leading cause of death among children and adolescents that um, that shows 
it, that it's bigger than music, you know, because uh, we're talking about children, all children. So um, when we're looking at uh, white children accounting for almost 80% of suicides and black children accounting for 67% of homicides, you could, you could look at two totally different causes for that and two totally different causes for those racial spikes. But the fact is the common thread is that there's guns involved and mm -hmm. um, everybody wants to triple and quadruple and quintuple down on the second amendment. Um, but the second amendment applied to a musket so that the country could organize a militia if the state wanted to take, you know, there's a different set of, there was a different reality back then. It wasn't so everybody could keep blicks in their dresser drawer in their bedroom and that kids could get to it and in their own lives or, you know, take them to school or whatever. And, and I, I think that just, again, the larger culture, the larger gun culture feeds into the music culture. It feeds into the, um, the depression culture. I'm, I'm guessing I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a white child. I've never been a white child and I I've never raised a white child. And it's heartbreaking to know that white children are, that's, that's a heavy number. 80%. Yeah. Firearm suicides. What a grisly way to end a child's life for them to take their own life. But, um, yeah, we, we need different leadership as, is, you know, and I, I, I worry that, we won't get it, you know, after Sandy Hook, when my older son was little, nothing changed after that. I, I, I don't want to harp, but I do, I do know that we need some leadership, someone that can look at this and say, okay, we have to do something radical because these numbers, this is not who we are, or at least not who we should be. And um, it, won't, it won't happen until Republicans can come to a decision because the, the, the legislation gets put there. Mm -hmm. The Democrats bring it to the table mm -hmm. and then it'll pass the House. Then it gets to the Senate. And guess what? It blows up. Yep. And, and that's because they cannot that agree on the terms yeah. and they I cannot feel. agree. So until you change that, we'll yeah. never have a solution. Yeah. And the, and the, and the sad reality is that 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 um, Dr. King was pushing back against that filibuster. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're the country that we can be, you know, is right on the other side of. Something that is seemingly very simple. Um, and, uh, it's, we have, we have to get there. That's our, that's our only choice. So, Agreed. um, let's, let's end on a high. If we can, uh, record breaking Shikari Richardson wins 100 meter championship. She is the best in the world. Morgan, you know, a little bit about sports, certainly more than I do. Why don't you uh, bring us up to speed here and then Bree will follow up with you. Now you weren't doing that pun. There was no pun intended when you said let's end on a high and you were talking about Shakari Richardson, right? And I'm just um, no. <laughs> okay, hang on, hang on that's, one second. Is it Shakari? Because that's what I want to say. It's Shakari. I thought that's that, what I thought. Everyone yeah, kept telling me to I say think you got it right. I'm like, I know it's Shakari. It's been pronounced both ways in the media. I will say that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Depending yeah. on who you're watching, they've said I'm both. I'm like recorded a bunch of times saying it's Shakari. <laughs> I'm like, I know it's Shakari. I heard Drake say it, you know, but anyway. <laughs> All right. My, my bad, Shakari. Sh sh my bad, Shakira. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so no pun intended. Uh, let's end on a high note. Um, mm. So, yeah, this is Shakira Richardson is back on top after, um, you know, the whole doping allegations or, you mm. know, she tested positive for THC back in uh, 2021. And um, she said she wanted to take responsibility 
responsibility for her actions. She did, in fact, do that. She took some time off. She trained hard. And now she is back on top. The American Sprinter is officially the fastest woman in the world, winning mm-hmm. the world title at the 100 meters uh, race in Budapest. So um, she's the first American to do that since Tori Bowie back in 2017. Um, and, uh, she, it's, it's just amazing to see her back on top. It's so funny because she was, um, just before the race, um, when she was qualifying, she spoke to, uh, NBC and she said, I'm not worried about the world anymore. I've seen the world be my friend. I've seen the world turn on me at the end of the day. I've always been with me. God has always been with me. So being on this scale now it's my time. And I just love that for her. And then, you know, before she had the qualifier, or she um, raced in those qualifying matches uh, to get to worlds. Um, she did this whole like routine of like where she kind of like stripped off her old orange wig and, you know, she revealed her braids, basically new me, new race, new mm-hmm. Shakari. And it's just great to see her in um, this space. It's, right. um, it's definitely nice to see her in this space. So now she, um, I believe she, uh, she, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. She's still a, um, a, a hopeful. So yes, she will be. I'm not sure. Is this because I'm not? That's one thing I don't know about. Um, whether or not if this qualifies her for the Olympics, the next mm-hmm. Olympics. Well, so. we're we're obviously we're gonna um, keep tabs on her. Uh, mm-hmm. I I I know I'm not really in the sports, hence not knowing how to say it, <laughs> names all the time. But uh, obviously, she's she's a big deal. And ever since she kind of came under fire for the uh, the marijuana thing, I believe her, her mom passed or someone in her family passed. It was her, her biological record. mother that she was yeah, uh, yeah, dealing with the death of her. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So um, ever since then, she's kind of been on the uh, the radar for more than just kind of being a, a, a good athlete. She's just kind of more of a pop culture figure. And so um, my belief is that we'll continue to. Um, to uh, follow her story. Uh, Bree, let's get your thoughts before we uh, wrap things up here. Yeah. And so in winning the women's 100 meter title, you know, she beat two of the fastest Jamaican women on the planet. Mm. And that would be Sherika Jackson and Shelly Ann Fraser price. And they finished second and third. Mm. Um, And so it's funny because when the cameras cut to them, um, they were covering their mouths as, as they were speaking, but you could tell they were laughing and joking and they were asking her, you know how long it's been? You know how long it's been since an American won this race? She's like, because of you, because of you. Like everybody wanted them to hate each other so bad. And when you get online and look at social media, it's always the Jamaicans versus the black people when it comes to these races. And it's like, can we just be happy yeah. for everybody? Yeah. It's like, yes, she won. That doesn't mean that, you know, Shelly Ann Fraser Price and Sherika Jackson are not still super fast. And oh, well, we're going to get them at the Olympics. Okay. And if you do, that's great. But if you don't, that's also great. Yeah. Because we're still rooting for Shakari. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I just want people to stop with the rivalry, but you know, you can't tell people that in sports. Yeah, I, um, again, I, and not, not something that I ever could make heads or tails of. I, yeah. But she did say she was very proud of herself. And one thing I do appreciate is her thanking her supporters and uh, piggyback, uh, piggybacking on what Morgan said about her saying she doesn't care about the world or the media anymore. She was appreciative of the people who did not stop supporting her after the whole Tokyo disqualification thing um, and who didn't stop believing in her. She even bypassed white media yes. and went and spoke directly to the black media only mm. when she won that race. And we Nothing saw you. that. 
She said she walked past and said, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Right to the black gentleman who was waiting with a mic. So that was interesting as well. But, you know, she said that she wants to inspire other people who face challenges in their lives. And she is doing just that. All right. I love it. All right. Well, um, like I said, we'll keep we'll keep tabs on her. And, uh, you know, that's that's some black girl magic if I ever saw it. So shout out to Shakari for uh, smoking them on and off the track, I suppose, to quote Drake. Yeah. Um, with that in mind, <laughs> we'll leave it right there. Okay. Uh, I'd like to thank you both as always very much for your insight. Once again, today's guests are Black Information Network news anchors, Morgan Wood and Bree Wood. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I'm your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media, and I'll be hosting another episode of Civic Cipher this weekend on a station near you. For stations, showtimes, and podcast info, check civiccipher.com. And join us Monday as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.